The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Amy Daniels McClure. I'm a registered nurse with a doctorate in nursing focused on rehabilitation and a clinical consultant with Coloplast. What would it be like if you were to face a life-changing event so traumatic that it could define you for the rest of your days, that it could change what you do, how you do it, and call into question every dream you had ever dared to chase. What happens when you arrive back at square one? Patricia Downing, a competitive athlete, life was about an active existence, freedom, and seeking out her next big adventure. That was until the day that tragedy struck and everything changed. Arriving in unknown territory, Trisha found herself relearning simple tasks, reinventing her life, and redefining ABLE. In making her comeback to athletic training, Trisha took the lessons that she learned through her injury and rehabilitation to start her life. Realizing that life is like a sport, the training we do makes a difference between just being in the race and raising your arms with pride across the finish line. Embark on a journey of self-discovery and explore the essence of the human spirit with our speaker as she shares how strength, courage, and perseverance changed her attitude from I can't into I can when faced with seemingly overwhelming challenges. Please welcome Trisha Downey. Good afternoon, Trish. Hi, Amy. Thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to talking to you about the female perspective of a spinal cord injury. Uh, I really want to focus on your mental toughness. You talk a lot about that in your books um, and how it is different being a female living with a spinal cord injury. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. So in 2000, you sustained your spinal cord. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you? Sure. I was a competitive cyclist at the time, and I was out on a training ride with a friend, and we were um, coming home. It was about 5.30 in the evening or so. We were in Golden, Colorado, and we were coming back to Denver, which is where I live. And um, as we were coming back, he was riding in front of me. I was just a little bit behind his back wheel. and we were crossing a street called Crabapple Street, and there was a car that was coming in the opposite direction. So we were going east and the car was going west and it got into its left-hand turn lane and started um, turning onto Crabapple Street. And so ahead of me, I saw my friend have to swerve around the front of the car to avoid being hit. And you know, it didn't really register at the time. It, it all happened so quickly. You know, I, I was realizing suddenly that, oh, my gosh, that driver see, you know, doesn't see that, you know, that they almost hit a cyclist. And so, um, you know, I, I tried to get on my brakes and it didn't get to them quickly enough. And so the front wheel of my bike hit the front bumper of the car and it was launched into midair, landing on my back on the windshield and then falling to the ground. And so, you know, as I was lying on the ground there, I knew you know, I knew something was bad because I could not feel my legs. They yeah. basically felt like they were floating in midair. Well, thank you. That has to be tough to relive that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, 
what was the recovery process like for you? So after you got injured, I know you went to a trauma center where they stabilized you. What was it like once you finally got to rehab? What kind of realizations did you have while you were there? And was there anything that you think as a female, you faced this different, um, maybe than some of the other men that were with you at your rehab? Um, yeah, there, I mean, there were a lot of different stages of rehab. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was just like, you know, shock for myself, for my family, for my friends. Like, you know, this is a really major injury. Like, this is a big thing to have happen. And so, you know, there was a lot of shock. And then, you know, the next thing was, you know, the pain started to set in. And, um, you know, I couldn't get enough pain medication on board to um, be able to be comfortable. And then, um, you know, my bowels had totally shut down. So then there was that. And so there was, there was almost too many medical complications to really get caught up in, you know, what that actually meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to rehab, um, it was still kind of the same thing because I ended up with um, a pressure sore in the hospital. And so when I got to rehab, we had to address that first because it was down to the bone. So I ended up having skin surgery and that kept me down for another six weeks where I couldn't sit up to do anything, you know, like, I mean, I had to live my life um, from my back for six weeks. And then at that point, it was finally like, okay, this is what this means. A, you're going to be using a wheelchair for the rest of your life. And, you know, I think this happens with a lot of patients, like you're in the hospital and you think, oh, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to think myself better. And, you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, the the news stations, when they come in and do a story on somebody who's just been paralyzed, they like, they feed that rhetoric of like, if you just want it bad enough, you can do it. Um, But it's not like that. It's, you know, it's the degree to which your spinal cord was injured. And some people, you know, have a bruised spinal cord and some people like me had a nearly severed spinal cord. So, um, you you know, while I was in rehab, it was really about learning then, you know, like, how do I take care of myself? How do I take care of bladder and bowel? How do I get around in a wheelchair? How do I, you know, open a door so that I can get into a building? You know, I mean, it's the very basics. It's like you're starting to learn to live your life all over again. Um, And so it really didn't actually hit me until I got home. Um, Because, you know, when you're, when you're in rehab, you know, at the hospital, the hospital is, is accessible and, and all the other patients are in wheelchairs and the staff is, catering to you as a wheelchair user, but then you get out to the real world and you realize that actually um, being in a wheelchair is not an enviable position. It's not something that people are used to. Sometimes they don't know how to act. Sometimes they get scared away. Sometimes they just look away and pretend like they don't see you. So that's when it really sinks in that you've had an injury. Right. And how would you, just bringing that up, how would you like somebody to approach you if they are scared or nervous to see you? Do you want would you be open to them talking to you? Or you know, I mean, I think you... I think the thing is, is that, you know, I'm still a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have the same needs, wants, desires as anybody else. And, you know, when somebody comes up and talks to me, especially a stranger, like I would want them to speak to me like they would any other yeah. stranger, you know? Mm-hmm. Hi, how are you? What's going on? But a lot of times what happens is people come up to you and they don't even, you know, start with the pleasantries of saying hello. They just say, what's wrong with you? Uh-huh. And so it's that like, it's, it's just that even that wording, what's wrong with right. you. And that's where I think that as a society or as a community, we need to change that perception mm-hmm. that being in a wheelchair is 
wrong in, on any level. Right. There's the wrong way to live life. I don't think that that's correct. So, um, you know, I really feel like it's not the place of somebody who just saw me on the street to come up and ask me any question. You right. know, I mean, you sure if a friend asked me a question, if it's, you know, not too personal and if I feel like answering, you know, I think that it's okay. I mean, I, I might ask you how, you know, your husband is, or I might say, oh, I hear you're getting divorced. How, how's, right. how's that process? You know, I mean, like that would be something that you would talk to about with a friend, but I, I wouldn't come up to you and say, so how was your appointment with the gynecologist in, this morning? <laughs> no. You know, I mean, yeah, right. there are some things that you just don't no. say. And, and right. people believe I, for some reason that they can come up and ask you anything just because you have a disability or because you're different. And um, I just, you know, I think that needs to change. And I think people need to understand that, you know, you don't ask people those kinds of questions, especially somebody that you just ran into on the street. Right. Because you are a person. Yes. And, absolutely. Um, well, hopefully other people hear that, Trish, and, <laughs> and, and, and learn from you. Um, so when you look back at your rehab, I think you mentioned, um, I don't think anybody realizes how complicated a spinal cord injury is. Um, they see a wheelchair and they see the mobility issues, but I don't think anybody has any idea what you actually went through and what you had to learn. And so, you know, you mentioned bowel and bladder, and I know that's a big thing when you get a spinal cord injury. Was there anything as a female that you felt like you had to go through with, um, you know, a lot of females, we don't even talk about that. We don't talk about personal things. You know, boys joke around about bowels and, you know, it's almost funny for um, men. And for us as females, it's very private. Was that a difficult road for you in rehab? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was very challenging because I think that I'm a relatively private person to begin mm -hmm. with. But then, you know, like I have four brothers and I didn't want to talk about bowels or bowel accidents or mm -hmm. these are the things that can happen when you have a spinal cord injury. And so I think it is harder um, for, for women. And also because, you know, like, it, it, it is a little bit different, you know, like you as, as females were, and this is, I think not really a great thing about our society either, but we're sort of reduced to our bodies mm -hmm. and the way we look. And, you know, when you end up in a wheelchair, you are sort of like, you know, that quote unquote damaged goods. And so it's really hard to, you know, keep that confidence and self-esteem that you're the same person that you were before the accident. So, you know, and I think, I think that men certainly um, feel that to a certain extent mm -hmm. for sure. But I think, um, you know, we are a lot more forgiving of men's bodies than we right. are of women's bodies. And so um, that, you know, that's one of the things that makes it really difficult for a female. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And I can, I, I can imagine as a female, it'd be very difficult for you. Because as a rehab nurse, I know we were forced to talk to you about things that you probably weren't comfortable talking to us about. Right. Over and over. Yeah. And so um, it's a good thing for, for other people going through initial rehab to know that there's other people that felt that same way. Yes. So when you were working, just a little bit of a focus on, um, you know, regaining control of your bowel and bladder. You mentioned bowel accidents. Uh, for people listening that don't, um, don't know bowel, control after spinal cord injury, it is very difficult. And there is no control. <laughs> That's the problem. There is, there is a very big lack, lack of control. Yeah. Um, and so I know in the rehab, you, like you said, you probably felt pretty safe um, mm -hmm. because there were people there to help. But 
when you go out, I've heard that bowel accidents are the number one thing to cause a decreased quality of life and depression once yes. you go out. So how did you tackle the independence with your bowel and bladder care? Uh, what would you like nurses, uh, there's nurses listening, what would you like nurses to know that maybe we could have taught you or maybe that you've learned that you can share with other patients about regaining control if you feel comfortable? Talking about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do feel comfortable talking about it. Um, I, do, I mean, I think it really comes down to like having some people that you can talk to it about, talk about with it. Wow, my words aren't coming out. But anyway, um, you know, you know, having a support system of people who understand. And, you know, the thing that my husband always says is that anytime I'm around my wheelchair friends, the conversation always degrades <laughs> down to bowel and bladder. He says it doesn't matter where you guys start talking or what you start talking about. At the end of your conversations, you are always on bowel and bladder. And, you know, I say that because, you know, it's it's funny and it's funny to those of us who are in cheers because it's 100% true, but it's because it's that one thing that really drives your life. Like it makes you feel like you can't leave the house because, you know, what happens if I have a bowel accident and right. I'm out, you know, on a sailboat with friends? Like, what can I do about that? Or, you know, what if I'm in the movies and I'm sitting on a public movie seat and I have a bowel accident? And, you know, so it's really um, it causes a lot of anxiety. You know, especially in the beginning when you don't know the signs that you might have a bowel accident or you don't know the foods that might set right. it off or you don't know, you know, like you're still trying to figure out how you do a bowel program and and have it be successful. So um, in the beginning, that was really frustrating for me and upsetting because, you know, I would be like ready to go out with my friends and have a bowel accident. Next thing you know, I have to call them and say, you know, I can't really go out to and, um, you know, so, or, you know, you're with somebody and you don't want to like, you know, I mean, imagine being on a first date and having a bowel accident, like, yeah. you know, like, what are you going to say to that person? And, you know, I think some people can laugh it off and, and make a joke out of it, but, you know, for the most part, people just don't think it's very funny when they are adults and have no control of, you know, either their bowel or bladder. And I had, I actually ended up having probably more um, bladder problems than I did bowel pro problems for the good, you know, first two years I was out of the hospital, I was having continual leakage issues. And so, you know, it was like wearing pads and wearing adult diapers. And, you know, of course, as a 31 year old, that is not what you want to be doing. And, you know, you're seeing all your friends like getting married and having kids and you know, like going out and doing all these fun things and wearing these cute outfits. And you're thinking like, oh, wow, under my jeans, I'm wearing Depends. And so, um, you know, it's it's really difficult. And it's and it's something that you just kind of have to work your way through. Um, but I think, you know, having other people with spinal cord injuries around you, I think that's really one of the biggest helps. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that's super important because you can only laugh with them, you know, laughing, yeah. you know, other people. It's not it's okay. Not, it's not funny. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, for females, you mentioned earlier that we are very, it is very much a, what we look like. And you just mentioned how we dressing cute and um, it is important for females. So it, it did take you, you got pretty sick, didn't you, with UTIs at the beginning? Didn't you have some problems with UTIs in addition to the leaking? And um, I did have a lot of UTIs when I got out of the hospital. Um, when I was in the hospital, I was sick with um, pancreatitis 
and um, I couldn't keep any food down. So I lost a lot of weight. Um, and then I ended up having to get um, IV nutrition during the time I was down with my skin sore. So I really had like a lot of different complications that made everything, you know, even worse. Like first you have to deal with the fact that you had the, the accident in the first place, and then you've got all these complications on top of it. So it really, it can be a very complicated process for some people. And, you know, other people, I think they get in and out of the hospital really easy. And it, it kind of depends on what kind of an accident you had. Right. Um, you know, like were you hit in a football game and maybe you don't have any other internal injuries, you, um, you know, just had the spinal cord affected. But, you know, for me, it was other organs, other parts of my body, like broken ribs, broken scapula, uh -huh. um, broken C7, you know, like it's, so it's, it's, you know, some of those other things that um, and then a compounded, yeah, yeah, and then a wound compounded on top of the paralysis that makes it difficult. That's a, that's a big, that's a big journey for you. And I, you know, you mentioned all these medical complications and I really appreciate you talking about that because I don't think people realize um, what people go through. And then on top of that, you, the emotional impact that you had. I mean, what, what people, what, for those of you listening that don't know what Trish is talking about, when you get a skin sore after a spinal cord injury, you have to stay flat. You have to keep all pressure off of that. And so once her surgery was done, she had to literally, when she says she has to stay flat, she literally had to stay flat in her bed. So how did that impact your, I mean, how did you talk about emotional, like mental toughness? You are the epitome of that because you were stuck in bed yeah, as a cyclist. <laughs> I mean, how did you even? I don't know that I was very tough during those times. I mean, I remember asking my doctor if she could just drug me for six mm -hmm. weeks and um you know she's like no that's not an option <laughs> um but I did have some acupuncture I don't know if that helped any it was it was very anxiety provoking and fortunately you know I had a lot of friends visiting um you know being on the IV nutrition was actually nice because then I didn't have to worry about eating um I had to learn how to brush my teeth lying on my back I had to you know be able to drink lying on my back um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it, it's a very uncomfortable position, because, right. you know, my legs kind of had that like restless leg kind of thing where like, I just wanted to go for a run and I couldn't even sit up. Right. And so it, that was the longest six weeks of my life. And I will tell you, that is one thing that has kept me from, you know, getting another skin sore is like, I never want to go through that again. I can't even imagine. And then when you got it too, I mean, right at your, yeah, right at your the beginning. Yeah. That had to be so hard. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so to close this podcast, Trish, um, what would you like nurses? You know, I've been a nurse for 20 years and I still learn from you every time I talk to you and every time I talk to other patients with spinal cord injuries. As a female, how do we help you in that rehab space? Because in getting ready for discharge home, you know, there are so many different things that females that we think and feel. Is there anything that you think rehab nurses can either focus better on or work more on as you guys, if you think back to that initial phase and just getting ready to discharge. Yeah, I think the nurses that helped me most were just the ones who were really very, you know, caring and understanding and, you know, like telling me, you know, this is going to be a long road, but you're going to be okay. And, um, you know, as a female, one of the biggest concerns is, you know, is anybody going to love me? Am I right. going to you know, fall in love and get married and have kids still. And, you know, I think that those are the kinds of reassurances that 
you know, women need. And it's, you know, it's, it's difficult because, you know, we, we know that men more often leave women after an injury like this than women leave men, you know, maybe if you're already in a relationship or you're married or something like that. And, you know, so, so it's really hard because there's just so many changes ahead and it's difficult, but I think that, um, you know, just, just reassuring, you know, patients that there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And also I think there's a lot to be said for, um, mentorship and bringing Mm -hmm. in, um, other people who have had spinal cord injuries and who have gone through all of these stages because it's, you know, it's scary. It's like, I don't know how to transfer. I don't know how to do, you know, this, I don't know how to do that. And like, I was going home to live by myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to know how to do all that stuff or at least know who to call. Um, especially if I had to fall out of my chair or, you know, so things like that. But, you know, I think a lot of reassurance goes a long way and just, you know, really understanding that it's a difficult time. Um, and especially I think for the women, you know, I think men have just an easier time accepting, um, in the beginning, I actually hear a lot of stories of guys who get home and they have that kind of depression also, but just a different process, I think. Um, and I think women tend to be a little more introverted in at well at rehab. Yeah. And what I've noticed is they don't ask a lot of questions. Well, because the they're men... not around a lot of other women. I mean, yeah. when I was in rehab, there was only one other female on the spinal cord injury floor. So like I didn't really have anybody to talk about this stuff with. Whereas, how many men were there? Just to just, give everybody reference. Like everybody. Like I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean however many yeah. other beds there were, it, it right. was all men. So they could talk to each other and right. say, you know, hey, you know, this is what I'm worried about or this is what I'm thinking about. But women, they're just there aren't any. And that's why I say, you know, really the mentorship is, is helpful. And, um, you know, the nursing staff is really, you know, those are the people that really cared for me. I mean, the doctors are great. They, you know, help you take care of your body, Mm -hmm. but they don't really like stop and, you know, say, Hey, how are you feeling mentally and emotionally? And so being a nurse and asking that, I think it's a helpful way to go. Thank you for sharing that. Is there any way you want to share with other women your your love story? Um, okay. My personal love yes. story? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I found <laughs> love. Um, it was about, I think, four years after I got out of the hospital. I met my husband and, um, you know, he was a great guy. And, you know, he, he told me, I know things are going to be a little bit different, mm-hmm. you know, with you and in our relationship. But he's like. I like you, you like me, we're, you know, like, we'll figure it out. And so, I mean, I I think that that's the, you know, important thing is that it will happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it always will happen when it comes to the right person. Um, But, you know, again, women are socialized to to judge their value on whether they're married or not, whether someone's in love with them or not. So it's, it's a lot, there are a lot deeper levels than just, I have a spinal cord, will I fall in love? It's, you know, I already had these issues before my injury, like, right. you know, cause I didn't have a boyfriend and all my friends were getting married and I was like, Oh, something must be wrong with me. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not mm-hmm. thin enough. I'm not cute enough. It, you know, it's like, it's, it's exhausting when you think right. about it. And, you know, looking back now that I'm 52, looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish I did, never would have bought into that, mm-hmm. you know, whole thing of, you know, you have to be married at a certain age and you have to be having kids mm-hmm. at a certain age. Yeah. You know all of those things so it's you know it's more than the spinal cord injury but the spinal cord injury does not right 
Well, thank you for being vulnerable, Trish. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm sure there's other females um, that are going to appreciate it. So, um, thank you for joining us. You and your your passion and your encouragement for females is really, really great to hear. And so, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional. 